0: Good morning again. I feel like a guest preacher. I haven't preached here in five weeks. And uh, you're not all supposed to celebrate. But um, it is good to be back. And it's wonderful to be back. We pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. I thank you for this wonderful church, this wonderful people. All of them. And I just thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for the testimonies last week. Just hearing the reports of what you've done in this nation. And abroad, we pray your kingdom to continue to come. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. I wonder if you could show that graphic. We have a fast coming up. And uh, just the heart of fasting really is to, in a sense, go up the mountain with God. To go away with him. uh, Put that scripture up there, come away with me. It's uh, from the Song of Solomon. Come away with me, my beloved. And I really believe that's part of the heart of fasting is simply that to just take time with the Lord. Amen? So, for the next two weeks, I'm going to preach on fasting. Uh, the last time I did this was about two years ago, and we had a, a lady with us from another country, uh, from, the middle, uh, from the eastern country, I think it might have been uh, Hong Kong or somewhere, I can't remember. And she came up and she was so thankful. She said she's been going around churches uh, all over in America. She was traveling around America, and she says for, I think, three years, she's never heard preaching on fasting. She says, yet where we come from, it's every—it's weekly language. It shows the difference between the first world and other worlds when it comes to fasting. And I really believe, I mean, I hold in my hand a key. This is a massive key. It's an actual metal key. The pools were gracious enough to provide it. Because I believe fasting is like a key. I really believe it opens doors that sometimes will seem shut to you forever. Sometimes there's long-standing issues. Sometimes there's crisis. Sometimes there's whatever it may be. You've prayed. You've done everything that you know to do. Fasting will open doors that no other thing can open. Absolutely true. So my heart is to get into fasting for the next two weeks. Now, I'm going to preach. It's going to be very much a teaching because I want to equip you for one reason. When we fast, I want God's people to be able to fast with faith. Otherwise, it's a hunger strike. And the only benefit is weight loss. But you'll find when you start eating again, it doesn't work. Just goes the other way. So, I just want to approach this in a way. I'm going to preach and teach <clears throat> as if no one <clears throat> excuse me, has ever heard about fasting before. I just felt to do it that way because I think often leadership and people that have preached and taught, people that have been in the church, they assume people know certain things or they assume people know how to approach fasting or how to fast. But the reality is, often there's a great misunderstanding when it comes to fasting. Most people think fasting is just not eating. It is so much more than that, friends. It is so much more. So, so, so much more. Uh, Benny Hinn, whether you like Benny Hinn or not, that's irrelevant. He grew up in the Middle East. And he said he used to walk the streets in the Middle East, and he used to see all the different Middle Eastern religions there, and you know all the um, well I don't want to get into it. Basically, demonically based religions. And they used to they used to line the streets. They lay on their blankets and line the streets, and they used to stick knives and swords into their flesh. You would see it go in. They'd pull it out, and there'd be no blood. Obviously demonic. And as a little boy, he would ask them, "How do you do that?" And they said, "Through fasting." We grew up in Africa, and you see witch doctors, and you see warlocks, and just the credible occult. They understand the power of fasting. Some of them have to, there's something called a water wizard. Not that I, but they have to stay underwater for two days and not die to qualify to become this village water wizard guy. And they do it, all demonically based. If that's the power of the counterfeit, how much more Christ? How much more, friends? Yet the Western church, the Western world, it's, it's a key that's been given to us from the Lord that we very rarely turn. Very rarely. And I'm hoping, not just about the next few weeks or whatever the case may be, I'm hoping... That God speaks to you today out of the Word. It's going to be very basic, very simple, very practical from the Word that it inspires you somewhere in your life to become a lifestyle faster. I've never known a man or woman of God. There may be some. I just don't know. And I've studied. I love to study old moves of God and revivals and men great men and women of God. I've never read or studied or known one, not one, that didn't have a lifestyle of fasting. Not one. The Wesley brothers used to mandate fasting every twice a week for the Methodists when they used to appoint ministry. When Methodism still had great power in the church when it started, they used to appoint twice a week. If you wanted to be a Methodist under them, you had to fast twice a week. And then it became legalistic. Then guess what happens? It loses its effect. Right? Religion comes in like a flood. I call fasting the status quo changer. Or the breakthrough bringer. That's what it does. It brings breakthrough. And pretty much every personal encounter I have had with the Lord, I want to say, was linked somehow to fasting. Really was. And not when I was a little kid. But I greatly appreciate growing up in my parents' home because I witnessed the power of, I witnessed them fasting. It wasn't just in the Bible something that some people did some way. They did it all the time. And even when they planted this church, every year there's been i I've never been in another church where they fast every year. They may. I just don't know about it because I've only been in a few. But I just appreciate the focus on fasting in this church. And it always has been like that. My mother is actually the best faster in the family. You can actually get good at it. My dad, yeah, not so much. You know, he gets grumpy, he complains and he has a lot of pain that hits his body and I'll explain that, where that comes from. Um, but my mother would fast all growing up and she would cook meals and everything and never complain. And, you know, you're sitting there as an ungrateful child, I don't like this. And she's probably thinking, I would give anything to eat that right now. And you're just like, nah, I don't want it. And I just grew up with an appreciation for fasting. So, what I'm going to do Seeing as you wonderful people ask such wonderful questions, I'm going to answer some of your questions. These are your questions, in case you didn't know. What is fasting, and how do I approach fasting? Now, we're going to do this for two weeks. What did they fast in the Bible? For what situations do we fast? What are the types of fasts, and how long should I fast? As I said, I'm approaching this as if you've never heard on fasting. Now, some of this, let me just say... I know sometimes when people give lists and many points and all that kind of stuff, you can get lost. Please don't try to take notes today. We will put all of this online. We will give, I mean, you can if you want to, but don't try, you know, rather listen. And we will send it all to you this week. Because there's some stuff that you can take out personally and make lists. Uh, What are the types of fast? How long should I fast? What promises accompany true fasting? You cannot speak about fasting and not touch Isaiah 58. You just cannot do it. And we're going to touch on those next week. And how often should I fast? Now, first one. What is fasting and how do I approach it? Derek Prince defined fasting for us like this. To abstain, I think it's up there, to abstain from food for spiritual purposes. Now, there are many types of fasting that we can get into. We'll get into that in a moment. I choose when I fast to put away technology to do other things but what has happened is sometimes uh, to try not put too much legalism or burden on people say well if you fast technology if you fast this or if you fast that, the fact is those things are helpful but real fasting is food, it's food, that's biblical, it's food and liquids if you led that way. It's food and liquids. It's not, now, you can take a break because the purpose of fasting in the heart is to get away and go with Him. That's what holiness is. It's to be set apart unto the Lord. It's to recalibrate. Every, even machines need recalibration. Except apples. They Apple Max. They're perfect. But even machines need recalibration, friends. And sometimes we need to step aside with the Lord. It's to recalibrate our hearts, to realign our hearts, to recalibrate our ears. Our focus, our attentions, the affections of our heart. That's what it means to be set apart. And you set apart a season of time to do that. Amen? Now, Roger, you cannot fast without prayer. In fact, fasting accompanies prayer. Prayer does not accompany fasting. I'll say that again. Fasting accompanies prayer. Prayer does not accompany fasting. Fasting. In the Bible, when they would release leaders, we'll see it. It says, we prayed with fasting. I love that verse. We prayed with fasting. To not pray, not legalistic, just biblical. To not pray when you fast, it'll actually be much, much harder. Initially, you don't think you have the energy, but you can pray. Sometimes it'll take you so long to break through into the spirit when you pray. When you fast, it takes so long. It's so fast, and you break through, and it's easy, and, things to, and it actually gives you physical stamina and energy and so forth, which we'll get into. Watch me he said this. Who knows what an inter- a burden of intercession is when you wanna, something comes on you and you feel you need to pray? Okay, many of us. If a burden grows so heavy that it cannot be discharged by prayer, we should fast. When prayer cannot discharge a burden, fasting must follow. Watch money. Now we know it's a way of putting down the flesh, which we know is obvious, and our spirits begin to soar. But that's what fasting is, friend. It's a very, very simple concept. And they know all about it. Where we grew up, it's very common, very common practice, very common language, because it holds power. It really holds power. I met a man once in Africa. I was doing some trip into Zimbabwe. And it's the only guy I've ever met that's fasted liquids and foods. I, I will get into that. I wouldn't suggest that for you. But he did. And he said it's the only time in his life where he felt physical power at the tips of his fingertips when he prayed for people. It just holds power. We don't understand it. It does. And when we see what the Word says about it, when we approach fasting, because how do we approach fasting? Well, we need to approach fasting with faith. With faith. The Bible says, Hebrews 11:6. I think it's, yes. He who comes to God must believe that he is. In other words, that he exists. Okay, because otherwise you can't approach him. And that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. When you come, when you approach the Lord in any aspect, any aspect of your spiritual walk, you come with faith, believing that he is And that he rewards those who seek him. That's faith. You believe more in the unseen than the seen. I don't want to get into faith and speak on faith because I love to do that. But faith is very simply, I have more faith in what I cannot see. I have more belief in what I do not see than what I do see. The Bible says, everything we see, Hebrews 11, was created by that which is unseen. So which has more power? Which has more reality? Which will pass away and which will not? And fasting is one of the ways to access that realm and bring it here into what we do see and bring practical change, practical adjustment. Sorry, it's fasting. And to preach on fasting is not pleasant because a whole bunch of the time you're preaching, and I'm not saying now, the people can sometimes decide before you ever, well, I'm not going to fast this time. I ask you, friends, don't make that decision just yet. Open your heart and allow the Lord to speak to you. So, how do you approach fasting? My dad said this in 2012. We have to go into every... So I'm quoting you. Let me, let me do that again. A great man of God once said... <laughs> when he was young, a very, very, very long time ago. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. My dad said in 2012 in the cafeteria... We have to go into every fast having set our minds to it, otherwise we vacillate when it gets tough. That's a fact. You go in predetermined. You, you know the length, you know what you're going to do, you have a plan. So when you approach fasting, how do you approach fasting? You approach it with faith and with a plan. Very simple. With faith in what you're doing, faith and a plan. When people fast just because, well, we should just fast, I find it doesn't, have it, in, it doesn't have an impact. When there's no plan, when simply it can be take an hour before you fast, decide with your spouse or by yourself or whatever, how long, what type of fast, what you're going to do and what you're fasting for. When those things are not predetermined, there's no will. There's just no will. When I was younger and I used to fast a lot, sometimes with the wrong motives and just being honest. Sometimes it was like a competition, you know, because we used to fast all the time. The bunch of young men that were being discipled by a guy called Ashley Bell. We used to fast all the time. And, you know, friends, the funniest thing is I miss that group fasting, what it does. I remember times when I used to phone him and say, oh, I'm on the third day, I've said four days. I just, I just cannot do it. And they would say, you can do it. We just don't do that anymore because we're so afraid of legalism. But I tell you, those phone calls got me through, and always the breakthrough came at the end. Fasting is very, very powerful. We approach it with faith and with a plan. Now, this is what I want to spend some time on today. Ask the question, why do we fast? Biblically. Biblically. Why do we fast? What does the Bible say about fasting? There's a whole bunch of areas that we're going to list. I encourage you to take some of these areas if God speaks to you about one of them. Take them and put them into your life. Take them and put them into your life. Why do do we fast? The first three I'm going to go over, I believe, are the essence of real, true fasting. And the first reason we fast is to humble ourselves. Is to humble ourselves. Psalm 35. Can you go to Psalm 35, please? Psalm 35, go to verse 14. Actually, go to verse 13. Sorry, big deal, one verse back. You can do it. Psalm 35, verse 13 says this. I'm in Psalm 34. Keep your tongue from evil. I thought no, that's not speaking about that. Psalm 35. But as for me, when I was sick, my clothing was sackcloth, and I humbled myself with fasting. I humbled myself with fasting. Psalm 69, verse 10 to 12, says the same thing. I humbled myself with fasting. Charles Spurgeon, prince of preachers, they called him, said this Every Christian has a choice, which means it's every person here. Every Christian has a choice between being humble or being humbled. Charles Spurgeon, so simple. As a fact, now, I've realized something. That there's a difference between being a humble person and humbling yourself. Even a proud person can do the act of trying to humble themselves. The Bible says for you to humble yourself. I've shared before, many years ago when I first got saved, in my arrogance and in my youngness, I gave myself one year to get rid of sin. It didn't work. And I, uh, I asked the Lord to humble me. And I meant it, and I asked him every day for six weeks, and my life fell apart. And then I read the Bible, should have done that first, and it said, humble yourself. And I thought, that's, that's a good idea. It's a good idea, because the Bible says, everyone who exalts themselves, Luke 14:11. everyone who exalts themselves, can I say this applies to the saved and the unsaved? Everyone who exalts themselves will be humbled, and everyone who humbles themselves will be exalted. So you have a choice, to humble yourself or to exalt yourself. Let me just say it like this. God does both of them better. He does both better than you. If you want to be exalted, humble yourself. Being humble, friends, is not necessarily to not have the desire to exalt yourself. That's part of your flesh. That's normal. People say, oh, I have this terrible desire. That's normal. Just don't do it. <laughs> That's, just don't do it. Yeah, stop it. <laughs> just stop it. Why, friends? Because those are the two tasks. It's very simple. Now we all four. We all make mistakes. That's normal. That's normal. But to humble yourself doesn't necessarily make you a humble person. It's an act. It's something you choose. Now, in the Bible, I don't have time to go over it, throughout the Old Testament, throughout Psalms, Proverbs, and you see in all the Old Testament judges and books, when the Bible says they humbled themselves, almost every time it's talking about fasting. It was an act. It was the greatest way they had to humble themselves before the Lord. They talked about sackcloth. They talked about it was to humble themselves didn't make them humble people per se, it was an act. And the more you choose that act, you will end up maybe being a humble person. But they are different, am I making sense? But to humble yourself is a choice, it's an act that you do. And the greatest way I believe to do that is to fast. Is to fast. Many people know the scripture, I think it's 2 Chronicles 7.14, very famous verse, you might not know the reference but you'll know it when I say it. If my people who would humble themselves, who are called by my name, would humble themselves. Now, I have come to a conviction where I believe that's talking about fasting. Would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from the turn and I'll forgive and I'll heal the land. I believe that's talking about fasting. Many of us have quoted, we've taken, taken part in those times where we all come together. Friends, if you. Use the key that God has given you as a gift. Turn it. And see the response. It's a gift. It's a gift given to believers. If unbelievers and the occultists can turn that key, how much more you? 1 Peter 5, verse 5 to 7 says this. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves. I love this verse. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Isn't that a wonderful verse? That he may exalt you. There it is again. In due time. Circle that. In due time. Because this is what we do. Lord, I'm going to humble myself. You're not doing much exalting. I mean, it's been like four hours. Right? Instant world. Microwave generation. Let's go, Lord. In due time. Casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Fasting is not groveling. Please understand it. It's not twisting God's arm. It's positioning yourself. It's not groveling. He cares for you. He loves you. He wants to pour out upon you. He wants to bring breakthrough for you. But he's giving you a key. And how he wishes you would just turn it. To open that door that cannot be opened. The first reason we fast, I believe, is to humble ourselves. Number one. Number two, to draw near to the Lord. The very act of fasting is to separate oneself unto the Lord for a period of time. To be set apart. That's what the Bible says is holiness. Holiness is not moral perfection. It's not moral behavior. It's not. Morality can be, can be the result of... Of being set apart unto Him because the closer you get to Him the less you become like you are and more like He is. That's a fact. The more time I spend with my wife we begin to in a sense rub off on each other and she I begin to say things like her and make jokes like her and laugh like her and she begins to do things like me. It's the same with Jesus. You emulate each other. You emulate each other. That's what happens. And when you set aside time with the Lord, one of the reasons to fast is to draw near to Him. There's a crazy verse in the Bible. I think it's crazy because it blows our boxes and it's so simple and we all know it in children's church. For those who draw near to God, if you draw near to God, He will draw near to you. Think about that for a second. Theologically, He loves you all the same. He's with you. He's in you. He surrounds you. He's your banner, your light, your healing, your salvation. But if you willingly draw near to him, in a different way, he draws near to you. And fasting is a way to simply take a step towards him. Now, in the moment of fasting, it's not pleasant. And you don't feel like he's drawing near to you. Actually, sometimes you feel like he's gone the other way because we're so instant. A equals B. No, it doesn't always do that. It's not like that. There's a woman who exemplifies this in the Bible, Luke 2.37. You knows about Anna, the prophetess. And this woman was a widow of 84 years old. Now, I happen to know that nobody here is 84 because I know who the oldest people are and I know how old they are. So. No one is 84 here. That's what it says. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years old who did not depart from the temple but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. Did she need to? Was, she, was there crisis? No. A heart for the Lord. That's it. I'll tell you a little funny story. Last night I typed that wrong and I wrote tastings instead of fastings. And I thought, that does look better, Lord. Let's, we serve the Lord with tastings and with, I prefer that that's why I'm not the Lord I'd say come come aside to taste and to fast but it doesn't say that so third reason we're going to get more into this next week but I'll just mention it for me it's the third reason one of the essence of fasting is to intercede for others intercession real intercession Leonard Ravenhill used to say people used to say oh you know I'm praying for you and he used to say, Oh, really? What did the Lord say? Um, uh, oh, you mean you just kind of mentioned me before the throne? Or were you actually praying for me? I'm talking intercession, real intercession. Go to Isaiah 58. I'll find it eventually. Isaiah 58. Cannot read about fasting without reading, about, without reading Isaiah 58. Verse 6. Next week we're going to read this whole chapter. Is this not the fast that I have chosen to loose the bonds of wickedness? The NIV says to, to break the chains of injustice. I love that. To undo heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, that you break every yoke. Is it not that you share your bread with the hungry and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out? When you see the naked, that you cover him and you not hide from your own flesh. Then, and then it has a whole bunch of promises, which we're going to get into next week. Your light shall break forth like the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. That's protection. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You all shall cry and he will say, here I am. Why? Because you've chosen to draw near to him. So he's drawn near to you and you start to pray and he goes, I'm here, I'm right here. You take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger, and the speaking wickedness. If you extend your soul to the un and goes so on and on, it's intercession for others. You fast to position yourself for God to do something in you so that you can bring breakthrough for others. That is true, true fasting. I have many people, many, many people, obviously it's what I do, but many people say, please pray for my daughter, or please pray for my son, or my spouse, or whatever and I begin to encourage them when it's ongoing now i'm not i'm not saying they haven't done this and that's the, no i'm not apportioning blame i've just begin to understand something i want to ask some of these people have you fasted for them have you actually fasted for them have you used the key that god gave you turn it just turn it just see what happens not a 40-day fast. You can fast one meal. If your heart and your faith are right in God, one meal can be more powerful than three weeks of starvation. Fact. It's not, we, God's ways are not like ours. But you've been given a key. To intercede for others. What are some other reasons? For God's intervention in times of crisis and calamity. Go to 2 Chronicles 20. Who has some crisis and calamity? Everyone should be putting up their hands. If you're not, pray for me. Please. Now you know that you've got to actually pray. So, 2 Chronicles 20 says, It happened that after this, the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea and Syria, and they are in all those places. And Jehoshaphat feared. Let me just break this quick religious thing. Everyone says, Why, what I feared has come upon me from Job. And because I feared, that's why I'm going through this. Friends, if the enemy comes against you and you get afraid, you're normal. You're normal. It's what you do with it. And it's where you run to. So, well, now I'm going to, I had this moment of fear, you know. And there's another thing that religion has done to supernatural activity. This whole thing of leaving a door open to the enemy. And I know I'm getting distracted here, but the Holy Spirit is leading me down this path. Friends, I covered this in our life group. People say, well, you know, I'm going through this because I left the door open to the enemy. Yes, you can open doors to the enemy. There are many, drugs and doing stupid things, okay? They can open the door, for, absolutely. But if I go to the store with my wife and my family and I leave the front door open and I come home and there's thieves in my house, I don't say, well, you know, I left the door open. So just, you know, you can stay. You can have your way. No, get out of my house. And why do we do that in Christianity? Well, I left the door open to the enemy so, you know, now I'm just... This demon's just going to be there. No, get out. The point is not to leave it open because it's constant warfare that just tires you out. It's just not helpful. But the devil still has no legitimate authority over you. You're God's son. For God's intervention in times, where were we? He feared. We were reading. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself, and set himself. How do you prepare for fasting? He set himself to seek the Lord and he proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. Interesting. For a battle that was impossible to win. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord. Don't you love that? People came together. Help. God help. I remember the one time I was sitting with Katie and Kevin in Mose, and Jacob was about two and we were sitting there eating and Jacob was doing his thing and he got into trouble. Kevin said stop and he didn't like it so he started to cry and Kevin said be quiet, you know, fathers. And this couple walks past and they got a brand new little baby, and so they, don't, they haven't experienced that yet. Their baby was still cute and fresh and uh, <laughs> it's coming past and Jacob looks at them with tears in his eyes and he goes, help me, help me. <laughs> And I'm thinking, they probably, they're looking at Kevin. So that's what we do, right? We look and we go, Lord, help. Help. Okay? It's very simple. And from the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah in Jerusalem, in the house of the Lord, before the new court, and said, Now, if you ever get a fast in times of crisis, let me give you an encouragement. Turn to the scripture. Take it in your hand. Physical Bible. And read it out loud and pace in your house like I'm doing right now. This is what you should be doing. It says, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do our fathers and do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might, so that no one is able to stand, withstand you? Are you not our God, who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel, and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? And they dwell in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name. If a disaster comes upon us, a sword, a judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this temple and in your presence and cry out to you in our affliction and you will hear and you will save. Fast and pray. In times of disaster or calamity. For someone else's disaster, for your children's, for your spouse's. There are many examples of this throughout Scripture. Daniel did it. Esther did it. Call a fast, Esther said. They fasted three days, no food or water. The whole nation. You saved some money too, by the way. This food's expensive. They fasted, the whole nation. Nehemiah. He heard the state of Israel, the state of God's people, and the state of God's kingdom, because it was a physic. And friends, this is a physical battle. This is when the enemy comes against you, not people, the enemy, maybe through people, but the enemy. Nehemiah said this. So it was when I heard these words, he heard this bad news. He said, I heard these words that I sat down and wept and I mourned many days and I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. It's all through the Bible. All through the Bible. Yet Christians today are reserved, have reserved themselves to defeat. Because they don't know what to do. I've lost my key. But all the time they've been given a key, friends. They just don't like the way it looks or feels. You know this happened in this nation? Samuel Adams. 1795, as the governor of Massachusetts called a National Day of Prayer and Fast. February 28th. John Adams, President, called a National Day of Prayer and Fasting, 1798. You know what he called it? A day of humiliation. In other words, that was an old-fashioned way of saying humbling yourselves. I've read I went and read the Congress report. They still have it. The original Congress report with all the old English said a day of humiliation prayer and paying homage to the almighty this nation James Madison president September 1812 that was after the 1812 war with the french and so forth it was after the war they said we're in crisis so they called it a national day of fasting Abraham Lincoln three times 1861 1863 1864 how far we have come it's actually not the job of the nation. It's the job of the church. That's a fact. It's the job of the church. Brings me to my next thing. In times of mourning. All through the Bible. I've got some scriptures. Just people, when they mourned, they fasted. Sometimes when you, you've lost a loved one. Something's going on in your life. There's a mourning period. You know that fasting biblically is the way to take that injection of the Holy Spirit, the comforter. There is such a thing as supernatural comfort. It exists. The Holy Spirit is the comforter, the parakletos, the one who comes alongside. And when people, when there's tragedy, my encouragement to people has been in the past because I learned it from them, because I saw them do it. Have you considered fasting? I know it's the last thing you feel like. But you should try. Again, not 21 days. Not extreme fast. You're already already crying and now you haven't eaten for... It's not going to help you. Just a day. A meal. Two days. Whatever it may be. And fast. There's supernatural comfort. And let me say this. Western people don't know how to grieve. We just don't. We don't know how to grieve biblically. We don't know how to deal with it. That's why we become all bent and twisted and bitter and depressed because things go in and we don't know what to do to get it out. In many third world countries, even non-believers, they still, when their people die and they have their funerals, they lament. They physically start to wail. I know that sounds crazy to us. They do it and then it becomes real. And they don't eat, and they lament, and they mourn. But you know what? After a few days, they move on. And it doesn't destroy them for three years. Lamenting There's a biblical way to do it. Now, with the loss of a loved one, it might take years. That's normal. But if you accompany it with, with God's way, friends, there are ways that God has given us. The ancients knew it. We've just forgotten But there's biblical ways to do it. Another way is to return, another reason to fast, to return in our hearts to the Lord when we have wandered away. If you have never wandered away from the Lord, you're Jesus. Okay? You have. Everyone does, including me. We wander away from the Lord naturally. Ezra, no, sorry, Joel. Joel 2 says this, verse 12 and 13. Now therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping, with mourning. Surrend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God. Return. Return. How? With fasting. Return. Sometimes, who's ever felt like they've wandered away from the Lord and every time they try to pray, every time they try, in a sense, read, it's, it's, it's like it just doesn't go anywhere. Who's ever experienced that? Everyone. I encourage you, turn the key. Just turn the key. It is a biblical way to come back to the Lord. What about needing direction in your life? Who needs direction? Again, everyone. I see all the young people. All of you should have put your hands up and cried out, Help me, Jesus. Who needs direction? Ezra 8 says this. Ezra 8:21. I proclaimed a fast there at the river of Ahava, That we might humble ourselves, there it is again, before our God, to seek from him the right way for us, for our little ones, and all our possessions. Fathers, the direction you give to your family. Mothers, direction for your little ones. When you sometimes, even if you're single, if you feel purposeless, I just don't feel like I have purpose. Turn the key. God. Will give you direction. Businessmen, businessmen for all our possessions. Have you ever considered as a businessman fasting about what investments to make? (laughs) God will bless you. He will speak to you, yes or no. He will. But you've got to turn the key. And there's some others. Let me bring this to a close. To seek healing, all forms of healing—spiritual, physical, mental, emotional—or deliverance. We'll get into that next week. Fast for healing and deliverance, deliverance from evil spirits. The Bible is clear: this kind comes up by prayer and fasting, setting apart people for ministry. When they set people apart for ministry, in the book of Acts, now New Testament says they prayed with fasting and they appointed elders in every church. When they set apart people, Paul and Barnabas it says they fasted and prayed and set apart Barnabas and Saul, Barnabas and Paul. to set people into leadership, to set people into ministry, fasting, to get revelation. You know the funny thing about fasting? I mean, I have to hurry here. When you read this, when you fast, revelation jumps off the page. That's a fact. If you have a lifestyle of fasting, it keeps jumping off the page. Revelation. Insight. And to find breakthrough. (coughs) Fasting is powerful, friends. Very, very, very powerful. It's a special key. It's not like a regular key. It's not like regular prayer. It's not like regular... It's a very special thing. Now, I'm just going to read this to you, just to give you some help for what we're fasting into. Is that all right? It'll take five more minutes. What types of fasting do you get very quickly? As I've said, no food or water. Moses and Elijah did this for 40 days. I wouldn't encourage you to do that. I would not encourage you to fast even without liquids, unless you involve a doctor. Most fasts in the Bible were one day or three days. There weren't long fasts. Now we're fasting as a church for 21 days. I'm not asking you to fast for 21 days. I'm asking you to take a slot of time that you decide. If you want to fast for 21 days, you go right ahead. But get counsel first. Be wise. Um, Fasting all food is another type of fast, but you can drink liquids. And that's all manner. Liquids, just water, whatever that may be. Partial fasts, which is we get from the book of Daniel, meat, sweets, and wine. In other words, you eat vegetables, fruit, and vegetables, that's it. Mostly just vegetables. Those are the different types of fasts you get in the Bible. <clears throat> we've added all these other things, but those are the basic types of fasts you get. Most people, I would encourage, stop using electronics, stop using anything that detracts, the point of it is not, well, I'm not going to eat, but I'm going to watch 19 movies in a row because I'm tired you missed it. Somewhere you missed it. Something's not quite, it's to come aside. Okay. There are many variations of this. How long? How long? That's always the question. Well, how long should I fast? The best answer is Derek Prince. I'm just going to read it to you. You can read it for the sake of time. How long should I come to fast? Now we come to the question of choosing a length of time to fast. My advice is don't begin with a very long fast. Don't begin with a week, two weeks, or 40 days. Some people do, and they achieve it, but I find it's better to start climbing the ladder from the bottom rung by rung. The problem is if you start with too long of a period and don't achieve it, then you feel defeated. You may give up and never try again. I would suggest that normally it is better to begin at the bottom of the ladder and climb toward the top. You are not f- if you're not familiar with fasting and you don't really feel equal to the big test, begin by omitting the last meal of the day. If you would normally eat your last meal about 6 or 6.30 and you don't have any snacks afterwards, Dad, <laughs> until breakfast the next morning, you've actually fasted from lunchtime to breakfast time, which is 18 hours. That's quite a substantial period to be without food by only missing one meal. That way you achieve a real fast without too drastic a change in your life, uh, life pattern or too great an objective. If you succeed that, the next time you may want to skip the last two meals. Next slide. If you don't eat until breakfast, you have done 24 hours and so forth. It goes on. You came at three meals, which equals 36 hours. Next slide. Once you've achieved that, three meals, and you know that you can do it, then I think it's time to seek the Lord as to whether he wants you to go on a longer fast. Again, I would advise that you do not take too big a step the first time. Take two or three days or a week. Then he says this. If you spend a week fasting, this will probably have a substantial effect on the course of your life. That's a fact. Now, I have some other things but I'm just going to skip them. I have a whole chart for you. You can throw it up. We'll do it next week. What do you get more sensitive to? The natural and the spirit when you fast. Very interesting. I wrote that chart about four or five years ago. It's fascinating. We'll go over it next week. Why are we fasting for free life? I'm just going to read this to you. We will send this to you the vision of fast why we're fasting what we're fasting about why because you need an objective i just wanted to give faith who has faith in their heart to fast okay it's faith okay now friends don't just fast corporately double it up the reason i gave you all those things because you'll have personal things you want to fast for but we also have corporate things we will send these to you with more details i'm just going to read them to you for the sake of time but we will send them to you with some points that you can go over them. You can take some time. We're starting on Wednesday. And we'd like you to fill out now. I know it's old fashioned, fill out a form. We tried to do an online form. It didn't work for many reasons. Because once you fill it out and no one knows, it's just complicated. Easiest, fill it out at the back. If you attend a life group, they will have forms there for you at the life group. We will be meeting not this Wednesday, this Wednesday's life group, and I've encouraged all the life groups to participate with the fast. We will be meeting this week Wednesday as life group. The following week, I think it's March twenty second. It's the fourth week, fourth Wednesday. We will meet corporately as a church on March twenty second to pray at the property. What are we fasting for? Can you throw it up? God gave it to me in alliteration. Make some of you happy. For our facility, it's a big deal. We've shown the plans, there's walls that need to come down. For our, obviously, this is all to do with the church's future. For our facilitators, what am I talking about? Leadership, preachers, elders, deacons, those who facilitate. We need many more. For our fellow man, what am I talking about? What we prayed for today salvation. Friends, we need to see people getting saved. It's the greatest miracle, and we need to turn the key. Amen? For our families, one of the greatest onslaughts of the enemy in the United States today is on a family unit. Jen and I saw such a dramatic difference between the youth we led for eight years, those who had a family, and those who did not. There is such a drastic change. You can take both those people, put them into the same situation. It's very different. The family unit. And freedom. That's been the cry of this house since its inception. Freedom. Deliverance from sin, sickness, spirits, disease. Freedom. Real freedom. That's what we're fasting into. We will send it to you. That's the vision that we're fasting into. Because we believe that God has called us to be a house of encounter. So we have to turn the key. Amen? I'm going to ask all of you, if you've never fasted, to try one meal, one day, whatever it may be. Use wisdom. Young people, I used to gorge myself before I'd fast. No preparation. Start fasting. Just water seven days. And then gorge myself. It's not a good idea. I became very unhealthy. It's not a good idea. They are practical, we will send it to you, practical, helpful hints on how to prepare and how to do this. You can fast at any point from March 15th to, I think, April 4th or 5th. We'll let you, I forget right now. Yeah. Twain, you can say whatever you want. Crack the iPhone.
1: All right, fasting. So, I don't like fasting. I actually really hate it. Um, and it's not to say anything of what he said isn't true or valuable. It's all correct. It's all true. It's all valuable. Here's the thing. Nobody, not many people, there are some people that are just absolutely fantastic with fasting and they look forward to this. I don't. Never have, never will. Well, maybe I shouldn't say that. But, <laughs> but here, here's my encouragement to you. You're not going to want to do it. Most normal people don't want to do it. And I'm going to say this to you, it has to be food, my opinion. You have to fast food. You, will pay, you pay a price when you fast food. That's just the bottom line. And the wisdom that he's trying to bring across is simply this. I'm just going to try and encapsulate it for you. If you fasted before, push that just a little bit more if you're beginning in it. It could be a meal. Stretch it to a day. But I'm just encouraging you that there's an opportunity for you to really basically take control of your flesh. That's part of the process that happens. And you have to use as much wisdom as you know. You know what you're comfortable doing, and I'm just asking you to basically say, and just commit yourself. Pick a day. It could be one meal, two meals, or the entire day. And basically just commit yourself to just doing that. It's not complicated. We all know it. We all heard it. And I'm just encouraging you, and I'm, I'm speaking to you as not one who's a rah-rah fast. I love it. I, I hate it. I don't like it. Um, but every single time, starting is the hardest part, but as you get into it, actually something does shift, and most of it is just inside, and that's why I'm encouraging you to do it.
0: I'm in. Thank you, Duane. All right. If you're on medication, friends, be wise. Don't be foolish. We have household doctors. If you need to speak to them, speak to them. Amen? I'm encouraged. I'm very much looking forward to the fast. Doesn't mean
1: I love it, but I'm looking forward to what's going to happen in the spirit. Can we stand?